you have your Bibles for just a few moments, we're going to take you to the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament writing of Moses. Let me also say that tonight, Brother and Sister Shoemaker are going to be in service with us, and we're excited about that. Amen. She's going to be singing, he's going to be preaching, and there are some other guests that are going to be with them. So please be here. Expect a great touch of God. I know it, it's going to be a blessed night. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I will read verse number 11 and verse number 12. Amen. Everybody has it, say amen. amen. Praise God. I'm going to have to cheat today. I don't have my glasses, and those letters are too small. Read it with me. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, Spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. I want to go back to verse 11, if you will. As an eagle, everybody underscore that in your mind. And the first three words of verse 12, so the Lord. Amen. So the Lord. I don't have a title for you yet. Perhaps we'll come up with one before we get through. But I want to talk to you about your destiny, my destiny, the purpose that God has for us. And uh, pray that God would open your heart. Pray with me right now. God, we love you today. And thank you for the opportunity to be again in your house. And I know that the word of God that I hold before these people today is alive and it is powerful. And I know that there's a word in there for us today. I pray God that you will minister and you will help me to deliver that word with clarity and with anointing, oh God. I pray in Jesus' name, make us ready, hearers and receivers of the word of God. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, whoever brought those. Don't need them now. Praise God. We hear a lot, not only in the religious realm, but in the secular world about destiny. Uh, when we talk about destiny, we are speaking of what we are intended to do or become or to accomplish. In, in the field of thought concerning your destiny or mine, we are touching on the potential that lies in every one of us. And there's a great market for that because people want to know what is possible. Everybody wants to know what they can become. I think everybody in a clear mind wants to be better, whether it's a husband or a wife or just a person, a Christian, whatever it is, there is within the normal thought pattern a desire to do better and to reach our potential. The problem is we spend a lot of time talking about destiny and talking about potential 
but we never talk about what it takes to get there. And there is a journey that is involved in this destiny of ours. There is a process that all of us must go through, whatever it is that God is trying to take us to, whether it's a step closer to Him or whether it's an improvement in some area of our life or whether it is to really become what God called us to become. There is a process and seldom are we told how that destiny is accomplished in our life and our potential is reached. We seldom talk about the journey, but that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today, the journey of destiny. Deuteronomy, if you look at it as a whole, is one of the longest farewell addresses recorded in the history of mankind. 33 chapters, and Moses is simply recalling to the children of Israel the events of 40 plus years of their life. And he is reminding them of where they had been, what they had gone through, and where they were headed. He reminded them of covenant, and he reminded them of God's dealing with them and how God had led them. It is one of the most powerful books in the Old Testament, and it is quoted more often in the New Testament than any other Old Testament book. Jesus himself referred to Deuteronomy many times in his ministry here on earth. And so there are things that we can learn and certainly there is a light that can be shed from this old story about a present day dilemma. And there are things that we can discover in the word of God that can help us in our present situation. Before us is more than just a farewell address. In our text, it is a word to help people understand the purpose of all that they had gone through and all that they had had to endure and live through to get them to where they were. And this is what Moses had learned about God and God's work with his people in the wilderness. He saw the workings of God. He saw the provision of God. He saw manna and quail and water and the fact that the word says that though they journeyed for that length of time, their clothes did not wear out. And what they had in their possessions were adequate to keep them all of those years. Not only did God show them his mighty hand in helping to deliver them, but there was also the awakening of powers that were within them. And our text is part of that revelation. It is part of an illustrative and inspirational story. It is a picture of God's work in my life. It is the image presented to us of one of God's most intimate portraits. And it is a picture of how God cares for his people. 
and how God brings us from one place to another and gets us to our full potential. The nest that is mentioned, the eagle that is mentioned are simply disclosures of God. For the writer said, as the eagle, so the Lord. As the eagle, so the Lord. So when you look at what this eagle does and all of its actions, you have to connect that to what God is doing and everything that's going on in the present situation. That nothing that is happening to them is happening by chance. They are not waking up every day in a new world wondering what's going on and why am I going through this and why do I feel this way and why do I have this pressure and that pressure. God is trying to reveal something that there is purpose in the disturbance, that there is potential in the problem, that there is opportunity in the opposition, that what you are going through is simply a portrait. It is a picture of God working out his purpose in your life. And there is the activity of God and, and the, the way that God goes about accomplishing all of that. When I read the story, I find God's attitude toward me, God's feelings toward me. He does not lead me to fate. God does not lead me to chance. He doesn't just let the chips fall where they may. I'm telling you, I, I hate to use this term, but uh, life is not a gamble. It's, it's not a roll of the dice. It's not a lucky turn of the wheel. It's not winning the lottery. It's not coming up with the right numbers to the puzzle or the question. But my life has a design and purpose and my life has a destiny that when God brought me into this world, there was an end in mind that God did not just bring me to birth and then leave me for whatever could happen in life. But God had a destiny. He had a place he wanted to take me. He had a role he wanted me to fill. And he had something that he wanted me to accomplish. But to get me from that birth to that destiny, there was a process that I would have to go through. And there were things that I would have to endure in order to bring that out of my life. I am so thankful that God's attitude toward me is not one of nonchalant and unconcern. I, I am thankful this morning that God does not treat me like sometimes we treat each other. I'm thankful that God does not act toward me like others might act toward me. But God's action in my life is with purpose and it is with meaning. And when God deals with me and when God allows things to prick my life and he allows things to stir me and agitate my life, that he is actually trying to disturb me into my destiny. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So you have a purpose and I have a purpose. You're not just random molecules bumping together trying to find your way along like some science teachers would like to make you think. 
You're not an accident like some parents have said their kids were. Yeah, that one was on purpose, but that's an accident. You're not what people have said you are. You're not even what society says you are. Society might label you as a drug addict at one time or an alcoholic or an unfaithful or a degenerate or they could call you a loser or whatever other name or moniker they want to put on you. But I'm here to tell you that whatever the world says about you does not trump what God has to say about you. And what God says about you is that you have a purpose. You have a reason for being here on this earth at this time and in this season of your life. Somebody say, I'm not an accident. Amen. I'm not an accident. I'm not some gamble, some crapshoot. I hate to use that term, but that's, that's, that's the mentality. It's just make sure lucky seven today. That's not your life. That's not, you, you don't just wake up every day and wonder what's going to happen today. When God formed you, God made you, he created you, you came with divine purpose and potential. And our lives are not left to fate. They are held by the hand of God and we are not left to our own, but God is working this morning. Somebody say God's working. Come on, somebody say, God's working. Now say, God's working for me. God's working for me. He's not only working for me, he's going to work on me because he is for me. Sometimes we're of the opinion that if things don't go right in our life, then evidently we've done wrong or God's mad at us. And the truth is, we're not doing something wrong necessarily, and God's not mad at us. He's for me, but his being for me indicates that he's going to have to do things to me to get me to be what he designed me to be. I'm thankful that God has never given up on me. Amen. I was part, I was privileged to be part of the service yesterday at graveside and after everything had been said about brother Kilgore there's not a whole lot left for us to say you know just repeat what other people had said but while we were standing there the Lord quickened two words about brother Kilgore that had been pertinent to my life and to many others number one brother Kilgore was a builder he was a builder of men and people and individuals and churches and and, and vision and all of that and in that building process, one thing that I learned about Brother Kilgore a long time ago was that he was not going to let you settle for building your life with inferior material. And so if he saw you slacking off or he saw you not praying or he saw you slipping back, he had a unique way of reaching out and getting hold of you and drawing you back into that circle and say, come on, you can do better than that. You're better than that. And the reason that I stand here today is because I had somebody in my life that kept speaking into my life saying, come on, you can do better than that. You can build better than that. You can be a better man than that. Not only was he a builder, but he was a believer. He believed in me. I don't know why, but he did. 
And I am thankful that he had faith in me because there were a lot of times I didn't have any faith in me. When I looked myself in the mirror and I see, I saw what was there and I realized, man, you've been on this journey a long time. You're not very far along. I would remember meeting with him and one of the things that Brother Kilgore and my brother James and I had the privilege of spending a lot of time with him the last few months. But one of the things, the first thing that he would want to know when you come to see him, what is God talking to you about today? And you know what? Sometimes you go in there and you think, well, God, what, what are you talking about? But when you would get in conversation with that man, it would stimulate something in your spirit and say, you know what? If you're not hearing from God, it's not because God's not talking. It's because you're not listening. So you better go back to a prayer room. You better go back to a book. You better go back to your knees and hear what God is saying because God is speaking. And I am thankful for that today. That God has not just left me rumbling around, but there has been that influence in my life. God working through a man to help get me to where I need to be. I hope you understand today that I am not your enemy up here. I, I am not your antagonist. I know there's some time that people think that that's all preachers do. They just get in people's business and mess and say things that make you mad and make you want to go home and bite nails and don't ever want to come back. I'm not up here to do that to you. But if I can shake something in you today, if I can wake your mind up to realize that you're not living where you ought to live and you're not the kind of person you can be that I will have accomplished my purpose. Amen. And so here's the activity of God concerning his people and their destiny. He is not against them. He is not hurting them on purpose. He is not allowing them hurt for, for no reason at all. He will not leave them alone, but he challenges them and he disturbs them and he has provoked them and he has prodded them all because there was a destiny. There was a place he was trying to get them to. There, there was a potential that was not being realized in them. They, they were of a slave mentality. They had been in bondage for 400 years and he had brought them out of Egypt overnight. But it took God a long time to get Egypt out of them. It took a long time to get them out of the mentality of that world that they had lived in for so long. But I'm thankful that God never gave up. He never quit working. He never quit speaking. He just continually came again and again, provoking, prodding, disturbing, troubling, not because he was mad at them, but because he loved them. Amen. Anybody ever been disciplined before? And after they got through disciplining you, they had the gall to tell you they did it to you because they loved you. Did anybody have any parents like that? I used to think my mother was the biggest liar on the face of the earth. She could wield a willow switch better than any woman alive. And you couldn't run fast enough to get away from her. Don't let that little stocky woman fool you. She could keep up with you. I thought one day I was going to get away from her. I had slipped out of the house and gone somewhere she told me not to go. And 
and uh, I'm down at this guy's house on the other side of a main road that we weren't ever supposed to cross. You know, like we didn't have eyes that we could. But anyway, she, that was a boundary. You don't go past there, especially without letting her know. And I had slipped out the back door and down the alley. Y'all don't even know what an alley is, but I grew up in a town where we had alleys. And the garbage trucks ran back there. But it, that's where we played. We go down the alley, slip across the road, and bad, we're in the backyard of this guy. His dad has fixed up this roller coaster, and we are having one hi-ho time. I'm telling you, it was just it was a, a little heaven on earth for a poor boy like me. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and there she stood by the side of that fence with that look in her eye and in her hand. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm young. I can outrun her. Wrong. Ah. <laughs> uh, I took off, I jumped out of that car, I ran past that gate and past her and she wheeled around and she came in after me and she was swinging every swing she could get. And I run down the alley a little way and I realized that I wasn't going to outrun that short stocky woman. So I went, I decided I'm going through the ditch, I'll lose her in the ditch. Would you believe she went through the ditch with me and never missed a beat? And after she had tanned my hide real good, I can remember just like it was today. Son, I did that because I loved you. I understand that today. I didn't then, but I do now. She really did. And there's things that God allows in our life and things that God does in our life that at the moment, there's no reason for it. There is no rhyme. There is no purpose, it seems. But he does it. He allows it because he loves us. I'm thankful that God loves me enough to disturb me. I'm thankful that I had somebody in my life as a pastor that loved me enough that he would disturb me. Amen. He would shake the place. Praise God. I'm thankful that somebody has been there and you need that because that's the only thing that's going to help you get where God wants you to be. I promise you, if God leaves us to ourselves, we'll never get there. If he leaves us to ourselves, we'll wander around the same mountain for years. What's what Israel did. They went around the same mountain, stuck in that same cycle. If you are left to yourself, you will never be what God wants you to be. But God puts somebody in your life. He allows things to come into your life. And so in our scripture text, he said, as an eagle, so God. I'm thankful that he used that, that particular bird. I'm thankful that he used that illustration, as an eagle. He, he could have said as a deer or as a rat or as a worm or, I mean, there, there's certainly some illustrative points that he could have pulled out of any other creature or any other bird or any other animal of the kingdom, but he chose to liken what he's doing in my life to what an eagle does to its small ones. We are not likened to low things. God wanted me and you to understand that we are not 
We are not made to grovel in the low things of life. We were not made to be failures. We were not made to be the scum of the earth. We were not made to be the off-scouring. But he said, you're like an eagle. There's nothing more powerful, nothing more majestic than that bird. Nothing that's more compelling that could be chosen to draw my attention upward because that's where God wants to take us. Amen. God wants to take us up. He wants to elevate our life. And so as an eagle, so God. There are elements of the divine government of God when there is his hand upon our life. It is God who shook them out of the shelter of Egypt. If God had not allowed things to turn as they had, Israel would still be in bondage today. They got too comfortable living there. They got adjusted to that place. And God said, that's not what I made you for. That's not where I destined you to live. That's not what I want you to be. You're not to be the tail. You're to be the head. You're not to be beneath. You're to be above. And here you are in this land. that does, You don't belong here. God said, come on, I'm going to get you out. But before he could get them out, he had to send a lot of trouble their way. So it is with us. God moves us when we try to settle for a le lesser life. He, he moves us when we are content to be stagnant. We don't want anybody touching us. We don't want anybody messing with us. He breaks up that stagnation. He shakes and disturbs us with forces that make us wake up and understand that something is going on here and it's for my good. Amen. Somebody say it's for my good. You see, progress in life is seldom ever pleasant. Real progress is not a pleasant process. When you were birthed, it was not a pleasant process. Amen. There was a lot of pain and suffering. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of pressure for you to come into this world. And it is a simple fact that whenever you are rebirthed or wherever there is new birth in your life of any kind, whether it's stepping to a higher level, there's that same kind of pain and that same kind of discomfort and there's that same kind of feeling, what, what's going on in my life right now? It's simply the process that God takes to bring us to our best Amen. Somebody say, my best. I want these words to get in your mind today. My best. It reaches for our highest good. It reaches for what we are made for and designed to be. And he saves us from a cheap and tawdry life. Amen. As an eagle, so the Lord. The old saying is that no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. We're going to have to face upheaval sometimes and there's a breaking of the nest and the shelter in order to get us where we need to go. When I read this story again recently, God began to talk to me about some things and I want to leave them with you. I'm going to be closed in just a few moments. But the first thing the Lord talked to me about this story is that it displays a principle a principle of life that change 
and conflict and struggle are all part of growth. Struggle and conflict are part of growth. Stirring, awakening, moving, disturbing, rousing are all part of a process and they're a principle. You cannot grow and stay the same. You know, we, we love babies. We, we, Two-year-olds, three-year-olds are so cute. We love what they do. We're, we're, we're amused by all of the things that they say. But when a 30-year-old is still acting like a three-year-old, it's not funny anymore. And I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody here this morning of being a 40-year-old, three-year-old, but I'm telling you that sometimes we struggle with growth. And there is a principle that you cannot grow without pain. You cannot grow without conflict. You cannot grow without some kind of disturbance. You cannot grow without struggle in your life. And some of us are whining and crying about all the trouble we're in right now when really it ought to be a triumph because it's God's way of bringing us to where we need to be and what we ought to be. And we ought to be thanking God instead of griping and complaining about all we're having to put up with. Amen. The second thing that the Lord talked to me about was that every challenge... Every change, every struggle, every conflict is to develop in my life a capacity for higher things. Amen. You know, it's amazing how satisfied we are sometimes with low living. Amen. With low living. I don't mean... Outside these walls. There's a lot of low living that goes on inside church walls. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. What, and I don't mean cheap living. I just mean that some folks only do what they have to do to get by. And when you live on that level of having to, you won't live very long in that dimension because it gets really frustrating. A friend of mine was talking to me the other day and, and it was humorous, but he, he collects guns, <laughs> lots of guns. But he said to his church the other day, he said, you know what? I don't live with my wife because I fear her because I got all these guns here. If I don't do it, she could, you know, she could take care of me. He said, I live with her because I love her. I have a relationship that's based on love, not based on fear. And there's a lot of folks that come to God and all their relationship with him is built on fear. They're afraid of what God might do or could do or this or that. And all of their life is built around this fear. 
and they never grow into a relationship with him where their relationship is based on love. They do things because they love him, not because they fear him. They do things because they want to please him, not because they are terrified that if they don't do those things, something bad is going to happen to them. You know what? It would do all of us good to find a way to fall in love with him all over again because when you are operating from that understanding of love and not fear, you are not more willing to cooperate and you are not more willing to accept what comes into your life. God's work is never regressive in my life. God never takes me backwards. He always takes me forward. He always takes me to a higher place. His work in my life is always progressive. The challenges are simply opportunities for growth. And we are not designed without purpose and we are not designed without meaning. You and I were made for a certain destiny and we are not to be satisfied with low living. We are not made to be nesters. Amen. Get, get, real, you know, get real down, get real comfortable. God didn't make me to be a nester. He designed me to fly. He, that's, that's, that's what God made me for, not to spend all my time in a nest. But if you understand what this story is telling me, that if that mother had not done all the things she did to those little ones, they would have grown up and been content to push each other out of the nest and die a horrible death rather than learn to be what God designed them to be. God didn't make me to sit down and just get through life. God made me to grow and to be, to be better than I am at the present. And this passage makes us conscious and this is what God has been so strongly dealing with me. It makes us conscious of the passion and the power and purpose of God for my life. As an eagle, so the Lord. When you look at all the things that that mother does, first of all, she builds a nest. I, I wish that I had had them throw up a graphic of an eagle's nest, but it is quite an impressive sight. All of the care and all of the things that that mother goes through to make, and they're large, they're not small, but they're large. All of these things that make up the nest. And then all of the lining and the process that they go with making it comfortable so when those eggs are hatched that those little birds have a comfortable atmosphere in which to live and, and, and begin that process of life and how it builds and builds and builds. And then, then that mother realizes that it's time to move from building. It's time to start breaking and so little by little things are pulled out. Nest is made a little more prickly and it's a lot more uncomfortable. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not where they were, but they're not where they need to be. And so there's this process of, of her taking out all of those comfortable things so that when they wake up in the morning, they don't feel that comfortable wraparound arm. They don't feel that that, that cozy, that, that cozy uh, feeling that, that comes to them usually. They feel something pricking them and, and prodding them. They're wondering, what, what's, what, what's this all about? I'll tell you what it's about. God's trying to get you out of a nest. 
God's trying to get you past a stopping point in your life. God's trying to get you past a comfort zone in your life. And so comes the discomfort. He breaks up the nest. And then the Bible said he broods. The, the, the bird broods. Just hovers over that nest. Moving those wings. Demonstrating for us what we're to do. You see, God doesn't call me to do something that he's not already done. He demonstrates it for me. He, 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 he shows me. He broods over me. God doesn't just push you out there and say, okay, you, you're, you're on your own. But he, he, go, he goes through processes of helping me. If I watch and I look and I, I pay attention, God will show me this is how it works. This is how, this is how it works. You know, that's why this Bible is so important because this is God's brooding. The Bible said that they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The same word that's used, he moved on them, is the same word used in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. He brooded over them. He moved. That's what this book is in my life. It's not just some fairy tale. It's not a story to be told. It's not some bygone history to be forgotten or not relevant to my present day, but it's God's brooding. So this is, if you want to know how to live and you don't know how to make life work right, this is where you start. You go into that. And you listen to what it says and you see God demonstrating. This is how you love people. This is how you get better. This is what you do in this situation. This is how you get over that. This is how you go higher. This is how you become what God designed you to become. So God shows me through his passion and his love for me. He broods. And then he does the awful he pushes me. <laughs> oh, he pushes me. Some people, people said, I'm really used. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not coming to church. Y'all, y'all, y'all too pushy. You know what? There may be other people in this church, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to push anybody. But I'm not going to tell you God's not going to. And most of the time, what people think push is really love. It's just God saying, come on, there's a higher place. There's a better way of life. You're not, you're, you're not even close to your potential. You're not even close to what I made you for. You're not even doing what I designed you to do. And so he pushes us. Nobody likes to be pushed around, do they? Sometimes God has to get behind us and just, boom, knock us out of the nest. And then we go falling. You know what? The Bible says he not only broods, but he undergirds. He, he goes, uh, he, he flies faster than you can fall. Amen. He, he, he gets there before you, and he bears, the Bible said he bears them up. And he lets it happen again so that they can learn how all of it's just God trying to tell me you're worth something. This is, this is how valuable you are to me. This is how important your life is to me. Not just to wake up and wonder what's going to happen today, but to wake up knowing I was made to do something. I was made to be a, a difference maker. I was made to show what God can do in a life that's surrendered to him. Is there purpose in my pain? Yes, there is. Is there purpose in my hardships? Yes, there is. 
Is there purpose in what's happening in my life? The stirring when I feel pushed. Amen. I feel that push today of the Holy Ghost. There are many things that we fight in our life that really we ought to embrace. Amen. Instead of resisting that push, we ought to give in to it and let God push us into our destiny. Amen. Some of you are wrestling with some things right now and you are just like Jacob. You're not going to let go. You're going to wrestle this thing down. Whatever it is, you don't know what it is. Jacob didn't know what it was. Something grabbed hold of you in the middle of the night and you think you're all by yourself. What do you think you're going to do? You're going to take it down. That's all that Jacob was trying to do. He wasn't trying to accomplish anything at first other than to survive. He was just trying to make it through the night. And so he's wrestling and he's fighting and he's twisting and he's turning. What's all this about? It's God trying to get a Jacob to become an Israel. It's God trying to get a man who had spent all of his life being a deceiver and a cheat and a conniver. He's trying to get him to be a prince with God. And a process has to go. He stirs him. But when it happened, Jacob was resisting it. He was wrestling. He was pushing. He was shoving back. But when the morning began to break, and Jacob began to realize what he was up against. He said, when the angel said, let me go, Jacob said, oh, oh no. Oh no, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The word in the Hebrew speaks of something that's clinging he had been wrestling, but now he's clinging. He had been fighting, warring. He was mad. He was aggravated. He didn't, under, he didn't know what was going wrong. But he knew this. You're not going to get the best of me until he realized that it wasn't his enemy, but it was his God that was trying to wake him up. And it was his God that was speaking into his life. And all of a sudden, he gets hold of He said, no, I don't want to let you go until you bless me. And he clings to him. I will not let you go until you bless me. Sometimes we fight against what God's trying to use to perfect us. And we fight against the things that God's trying to use to develop us. You're not going to get better and stay the same. You're not going to have a better life and not make some changes in your life. Amen. You're not going to get a better relationship without making some adjustments. It's not going to happen. There's a process. Destiny. God's calling me. He's pulling me. He's pushing me. He's saying, you can do better than that. And God sent me here this morning to tell somebody that you were made for more than what you are right now. Let's stand together. Hallelujah.